don't have to think. We don't have to speculate. We can know what you want us to know. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and how He works in us. How He is so good to us. How He is teaching us. Lord, we, we long for You. We want to grow in our knowledge of You. We want to grow in our intimacy with You. And Lord, we want to grow into the image to be more like You. And all of this can only be accomplished, Lord, with Your Spirit working in us. Tonight, as we open the Word, I ask You to help me. I pray that You'd fill me with Your Spirit, that You'd enable me to give what You have given me. May it be good for us. And may we take this matter of Scripture seriously. And again, may You be glorified. Lord, we love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name. And amen. In Second Chronicles, I'm going to start in chapter 15, if, if I may. 15, chapter, uh, 15, verse 2. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture to you, and then I'm going to go throughout 14, 15, and 16. And I want to tell you the story of Asa. The reason I want to tell you the story of Asa is from his life I learned that you cannot live on yesterday's blessings or yesterday's victories. All too often in churches, we hear the subject about the good old days. How God worked back then. How one time we used to run four vans and have the kids here. And how we used to have to knock out walls because we couldn't have fit the WANA track in and the racetrack. And all these things, we hear about them. We look back and we see those victories and those miraculous things and we think that something's changed. Why would it work back then but it doesn't work today. I'll tell you, something has changed. What has changed is us. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. If He did it then, He can do it now. But you say there's so many challenges. We have challenges with, um, with social media. We have challenges with... Uh, technology growing, and we have challenges with a shorter attention span, and people don't read like they used to read, and we have all these challenges. Do you think the early church didn't have challenges? Same God worked then, same God today will work now. The question is, do we want Him to work? The question is, do we want God to do something incredible, something that He used to do in our churches that He seemingly is not doing today? Because I will tell you, it's not on God, it's on His people. And Asa so personifies what I'm trying to teach you tonight. He pictures this. In verse 2 of chapter 15, the Word of God says, And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. He will forsake you. Such is the tragic life of Asa. Asa was Abijah's son. He is the grandson of Solomon. We see in verse 14 and verse 1, So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. There were no wars for ten years. 
Verse 2. This is very important. If you mark your Bible, I would highly encourage you to mark your Bible. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of God. Asa began well. Asa is a king, one of the few kings in Judah and all of the split kingdom. He is one of the few kings that the Bible says this about. He did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. Notice in verse 3, For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places, and broke down the sacred pillars, and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers, and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make the walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him and He... The first thing this text teaches us and the first thing we learn about the life of Asa is your success in life rests on your devotion to God. Interestingly enough, in... We're told in Joshua that if we meditate on the Word of God, we would have good success. There's the difference between a good success and a bad success. The world tells you that good success is that you're financially stable, you're healthy, um, your family's intact. Those are all wonderful things. But that's not success in God's eyes. Do you know what success in God's eyes is? Success in God's, God's eyes is this. He did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. That's the criteria of success in God's eyes. And we cannot have that apart from our devotion to God. It was his devotion to the Lord that guided his life. It was his devotion to the Lord that caused him to tear down to remove the altars, to tear uh, the foreign gods and the high places, and to tear down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. It was his devotion to God that caused him to proclaim to all of Judah to seek the Lord their God with all their hearts. It was his devotion to God that did that. And while he was devoted to God, there was rest in the land, there were no wars. And they built and they prospered. Order is significant in the Bible. Because the devotion comes before the blessing and the prospering. Not the other way around. And the key to his devotion is that he sought the Lord. Do you and I seek the Lord daily? Do we seek the Lord daily. Now you and I know that any time, any time at all, that we desire to trust the Lord, that we set our heart on serving Him, that we set our heart on following Him, and we decide purposefully we're going to be devoted to Him, we know that the devil is going to attack. 
The enemy is going to infiltrate. He is not going to lay down. This is something that blows my mind. You know, church will go great. We'll have a wonderful Sunday. And then something will happen. And everybody gets all bent out of shape. And we get bent out of shape because we forget that we have an enemy who is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you, your testimony, your, the work of God. He wants to destroy all of that. So they've had rest in the land. They're committed to him. They've built and they prospered. And here comes the enemy. In verse 8, Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. But then, verse 9, Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Mershah. So the Ethiopians far outweigh, outnumber Asa and his army. And I'm sure that Asa perhaps thought that we're outnumbered, what are we going to do? I'm sure that maybe Asa has the same thoughts that we have when we get in trouble. Lord, I'm trying to serve you. I'm devoted to you. I, I, I don't understand why all this is happening. I love you. I'm devoted to you. I'm serving you. But I just don't understand why all, why all this is happening. You know, early on in the early, I would say probably in the, in the 50s, up through the 70s and into the 80s, starting to change there in the 80s, the independent fundamentalist movement, once, once, upon, once upon a time, was sold out for the Lord. They loved the Lord and they wanted to reach people with the gospel. They decided they would do whatever it would take to reach people with the gospel. They would get buses, they would finance it themselves, they would go out into the places and they would pick up the kids and they would teach them the gospel and they would do whatever they could to reach men and women, boys and girls with the gospel. But you know what? The enemy came in. Because these pastors all began to think, you know, because they're out, got all these people, that maybe, maybe they're just a little better than what they were because they had all these people coming. And they had all these people serving. And they began to look at other churches and they began to see that, you know, we're outgrowing this church, so God's favor must be all on us because we're bigger than they are. We've got more than they have. Then... They began to even distinguish themselves more. They began to put artificial standards of men, women wearing dresses, men wearing suits, haircuts, etc., the whole nine yards. And if you didn't have that, you were not part of that camp. If you did not have those haircuts and you didn't wear the suits and you didn't do that and you didn't you dress just like the other pastors did, then you were not part of them. And so God said, Ichabod. He removed the glory. And they began to fight over one another. And I'm part of this camp and I'm part of that camp. Think of this. Asa is standing there with his army that is well outnumbered by the Ethiopian army. What does he do? Notice what he does. Verse 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said... Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many 
or with those who have no power, help us. O Lord our God, for we rest on You. And in Your name, we go against this multitude. O Lord, You are our God. Do not let man prevail against You. And look at verse 12. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa handled this battle correctly. He went directly to the Lord. Why? Because he was seeking the Lord daily. He was dependent upon the Lord. And he knew that his spiritual success rested upon the Lord. He didn't fabricate his own battle plan. He went directly to his knees. And the Bible says, because he did, the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah. Verse 13, And Asa and the people who were with him pursued to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover For they were broken before the Lord and His army, and they carried away very much spoil. They defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was an exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. He's victorious. But something happens right now. And God is aware of it. God knows exactly what's going to happen. God has delivered Asa. And we come to chapter 15. I want you to see this. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded. He was a prophet. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without teaching priests, and without law. But listen, Asa, when when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found by them. He was found by them. This is what Azariah is telling him. He says, number two, your spiritual success and victories, they come from your absolute surrender and dependence upon the Lord. Listen to me, church. There's no substitute for surrender to the Lord. There's no substitute for trusting and depending upon the Lord. It's not easy to surrender. I mean, I would love to stand before you and speak of of things that are, you know, you could have your best life now and you could have whatever you want if you just ask and all these things. I would love to tell you that and I would love you to be encouraged and you be excited about coming to church. But rather, I would rather you get this truth that we're seeing from the life of Asa. Asa was not special. The only thing that made Asa good was that he sought God. 
And Asa is getting a little taste of victory. And things are starting to change. God is warning him. And things are starting to change. We don't see it, but God does. Verse 5, And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was on the inhabitants of the lands. So no nation, so nation was destroyed by nation, city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you, listen, Asa, you, be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Church, don't give up. It's easy when you win a big spiritual battle that you want to give up. You want to take a rest. You want to just stop. But you can't. Because you can't live on yesterday's victories. And God is trying to show Asa that when they were in trouble, when Israel's in trouble, God's a merciful God and he, he heard their prayers. He heard their cries. But the sad thing is, Asa's not getting it. He thinks he's getting it, but he's not getting it. Look at verse 10. So they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered... The, to the Lord at that time, 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord first with everything they have. Did you get that? Asa led them into this covenant. Why am I emphasizing that? Because he's getting ready to break it. The very covenant that he led his congregation into, his people into, he's the one that's going to turn his back on God and break it. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Let me tell you something. By your words you stand, and by your words you fall. Please remember that when we get to the end of the text. <coughs> Then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. And all of Judah rejoiced on the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Verse 16, also he removed Maacah, the mother of Asa the king, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. He also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils. And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Pretty impressive, huh? All those years, 35 years, he followed God. Listen to the message. I know you've been going to church since you've been a wee little fella. I know that you go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every Wednesday. But I, and I know you give and I know you do a lot of things, but listen to me. Just like Asa, we cannot, we cannot live on the victories of the past. Why? Look at verse, 16, uh, verse 1 of chapter 16. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might, not, that he might let none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. 
Then Asa bought, brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. Are you kidding me? You just said that we're making a covenant that we will seek God and now you're going to a pagan king and you're making a covenant, a treaty with him to help because the king of Israel is coming against us? What about all those 35 years where you served the Lord, where you sought the Lord, and all those victories what God gave you, you were overwhelmingly you were outnumbered. And God blessed you. And now you are turning around and doing the very thing you said you would not do. And if anyone did that, they would be killed. They would be put to death. Last part of verse 3. See, I have sent your silver and gold. Come break your treaty with Baash king of Israel so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded the king Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked at Ajan, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Baasha heard it, he stopped building Ramah and he ceased his work. He, he no longer hemmed them in. Then King Asa took Judah, and they carried away the stones of the timber of Ramah, which Baasha used for building. And with them he built Geba and Mizpah. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Here comes the prophet. He's going to tell him the news he doesn't want to hear. He says this. The seer says this. Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Okay, big deal. Look at verse 8. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? In other words, they were a large army. They were over a million plus all the chariots. Yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. The only reason the Lord gave you victory was because you believed Him, you trusted Him, you depended on Him. You were devoted to Him. You went to Him first. But now, this little small army comes against you and you have forgotten the covenant you made with the Lord and the covenant you made the people give with the Lord. And now, rather than going to the Lord, you go to your enemy. A pagan nation. Look at verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Listen to me. 35 years you didn't have war because you were devoted to the Lord. But now, because you've turned your back on the Lord, you've broken the covenant with the Lord, you're going to have wars. Many times people 
who are living in sin, they're believers and they fall into sin and they're not confessing, not repenting, they're living there and they're going through a lot of different difficulties and you say, do you ever wonder, do you ever realize that maybe the reason you're going through these difficulties is because you have not confessed and repented and you are uh, distant from the Lord? Don't you forget the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. There's nothing that happens that God doesn't know about. He knows where you are. He knows what you're dealing with. And guess what? He says you've done foolishly. And you know what He does? Listen to me. You know what He does? He gets angry, verse 10, with the seer and put him in prison. I don't have to listen to your message. Even though your message might be from the Lord, I don't have to listen to it. Well, Asa, how's that going to work out for you? Verse 11. Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Now watch this. Did you learn your lesson? Nope. Yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Asa, God's given you a second chance. Right now, your disease is not unto death. You're the one that made the covenant with God that said, if, if, if we seek someone other than God and we don't seek Him first, we're going to be put to death. And God gives you disease and He gives you time. 36 years to the 39th year, three years, He battled and fought against God because he would not confess and repent. And there are many believers, rather than confessing and crying out to God and repenting unto Him, they fight with the Lord to their death. When all they got to do is run out and say, Lord, I give. I'm foolish. I sinned against you. Church, we cannot live on the things we used to do for God. 35 years you could serve the Lord with great fervor and in one day, one day, you could throw it all away. One day. There's a particular pastor that I love to listen to preach. As a matter of fact, one year, Amy and I went to Cedarville when they used to have the preachers in and he preached. He had pastored a large church. I love to hear him preach. <clears throat> well, he resigned his church, and I thought that was kind of sudden. He resigned his church, and later it came out. He had an inappropriate relationship with a woman. Thirty-some years, he built a church from a few families to a mega church. God used him mightily. And in one night, he thought... For some odd reason, as we all do this way, the pride, the flesh, and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and all of that works against us, and all that we think, hey, I've done all this for God. This one thing won't hurt me. You're right, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. Asa, you have seen the hand of God. No other king could, except Solomon could cry and say that for 35 years you had 
No wars. Your land had rest. The nation of Israel built and prospered. Asa, your success, number three, depends on what you do today, not what you did yesterday. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, you'll find no other day. Today is the day of salvation. Now. All throughout the Scripture, today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today. Worry about today. We have to understand that when we're serving the Lord, the enemy will attack us, and the worst thing we can do is move from our commitment, our dependence and loyalty to Christ. That's the very aim of the enemy. The devil can't destroy you, church. Listen to me. He is defeated. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Just say no. But you don't understand. I, I understand about temptation, and everyone in this room understands about temptation. But the message is this. We can't live on yesterday's promises. We can't live on 35 years of walking with the Lord. We have to be walking with the Lord today. Asa, in all his years of loyalty to God, in one moment throws it all away by making a treaty with the world. He stopped seeking and started taking matters into his own hand. I would like to take three things and then close. The remedy to this is that we continually, number one, we continually seek the Lord all the days of our lives. I can't worry about seeking Him tomorrow. I seek Him today. I'll read my Bible tomorrow. That won't work. I need to read it today. And I'm not reading my Bible so I can check off the list so I can feel spiritual about myself. I'm reading the Bible because I need it. I need it. I need the Word of God in my life. We must continually seek the Lord all the days of our life. Number two, we must understand we cannot live on yesterday's blessings. Today, we must trust Him, seek Him, and serve Him. I'm thankful for a wonderful church. I'm thankful that at one time we were nearing 100 in Awana, but that doesn't work for us today. There's a whole new group of kids that needs to hear the gospel. There's a whole new group of people that need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we can't live on what we did back then and think that it will somehow carry us through. We're, re we're responsible to God every day of our lives. I... Uh, I would like to say this. We can never, ever, ever forget. Please listen to me, church. Never, ever, ever forget. Finishing well is just as important as starting well. We cannot forget that. Asa started right. He started right. And this is the tragic story of Asa. He died with a miserable disease the last three years of his life, fighting against God because he was too proud to say, Lord, I give. I give. I surrender. 
Asa, could you imagine if Asa would have cried out to the Lord when the king of Israel made a pact with the king of Syria and they were coming, they were building, they were hemming in Judah. And the prophet tells him, don't you think if he did that with a bunch, he could do it with a small army? You think God is limited by the size of the army of the enemy? God's not limited by anything. But here's what happens, church. Here's what happens. We allow the enemy to get our eyes off of God and get our eyes on the enemy. And it scares us to death. I've heard many people talk trite about the devil. I've heard, I heard one preacher one time say, if I saw that old slew foot talking about the devil, I'd put my foot on his throat and I'd hold him down in Jesus' name. And I wanted to say, if I know what the Bible says about the devil, if you saw him, you'd wet your britches. You've never really been in the presence of evil until you've been in the presence of the devil. And frankly, I don't want to go there. It's tragic. I was so encouraged when I was reading the life of Asa because I'm so sick of it. This king did evil in the sight of the Lord. This king did evil in the sight of the Lord. This king did evil in the sight of the Lord. Asa... He did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. Oh, right, Asa. Tell, what's Asa's secret? Man, he sought the Lord. He's seeking the Lord daily. When he was in fellowship with the Lord, when he was seeking the Lord, he went to the Lord. He depended on the Lord. It, and, and this is what I want you to see, guys. When you're seeking the Lord, when your relationship with the Lord is right where it's supposed to be, all these things will happen. It's when we get away from seeking in the Lord. I haven't had time to pray in the last three days. My life is hectic. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. But I will tell you this. As I heard one preacher just this past week, he wrote a new book, and he said this. After 50 years of pastoring and preaching, I want to tell you I have failed in understanding the real importance of prayer. If I had my ministry to do over, I would pray more than I preach. Why? Because we need the Lord and we need to seek Him first. We need to seek Him first. But there will be some who, when the message is given, they're ready to get out of here on Sunday morning, they're ready to go, and if I get out from underneath this conviction I'm feeling, I won't have to deal with it. Maybe if we put the preacher in jail, we won't have to worry about it, we won't have to listen to him anymore. I would ask you, please don't do that. (laughs) I'm not Paul. I'm not comfortable in jail. But I will tell you this. If you will continually live your life every day seeking after the Lord, walking in surrender and obedience to the Lord, not living on yesterday's blessings, but trusting Him, serving Him, seeking Him daily, remembering that my finishing is more important than, or as important as my start You can overcome. You don't have to be an Asa. You can fume and fight with the Lord if you want to. You can blame everybody if you want to. But the bottom line is, you are responsible for you. And you can't say, it's someone else's fault. My question to you is, would you, along with me, Ask the Lord to give us wisdom and strength every day of our lives that we continually seek Him. We walk in surrender and obedience to Him and we ask Him 
to help us. That we seek to serve Him. And we don't run to the, the things of the world. I was talking, I, I would love to give illustrations of my great spirituality, but there's none. I was talking to a fellow about something I was struggling with the other day, one of my, one of my best buddies, he's a man of God. And he said, well, you know, yeah, that, yeah, let me give you my advice. And he said, but before I do, can I ask you a question? Have you prayed about it? And I said, here you go, bringing in this truth into this. I said, no, I haven't. And he said, don't you think we should pray about it before we talk about it? And I said, I'll talk to you later. Hung up on him. He knew he had me. And I was wrong. I hadn't even prayed about it. And I'm going to ask everybody, everybody but God. Listen, because I've pastored some 26 years now, 20 here, I was... Six at the other church. Some was bivocational, some full-time. Because I've done that, it's easy for me to say, well, you know, I did all this faithfulness. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm winding down here. I've only got 20 years left. and um, I can't rest on what God did back there. What am I doing now for God? What am I doing now? For God. So to me, the message of Asa is this. Asa, you can't live on yesterday's victories. Let God work in and through you every day to create new victories. Because our help comes from the Lord. Our victories come from the Lord. We sing victory in Jesus, not victory in our overcoming, victory in that He has overcome. The Bible says, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. I implore you, if you, if you are fizzled out, burned out, I heard a preacher one time talking, he was talking to a, a young pastor and and the young pastor was kind of brash and he was kind of arrogant. And he told the old pastor, well, let me tell you something. I'd rather burn out to God rather than fizzle out. And the wise pastor looked at him and said, whether you burn out or fizzle out, it's the same result. You're still out. It doesn't matter if you burn out or fizzle out. You're out. We don't want to be out. We want to be growing day by day, walking in the newness of the Lord. New mercies every day, Jeremiah writes. Would you join me in praying that we would be devoted to God, that we would understand <coughs> that our victories are in Him, and that we would continue every day seeking his face. I'm not going to tell you that if you do that, that everything will be fine and you won't have problems. But I will tell you this, you'll never be alone in your problems. I'll tell you this, for 35 years, Asa could overcome anything that happened to him because he was seeking the Lord. <coughs> but in the 36th year, in the 36th year, he turned from the Lord. He turned from the Lord and he turned to the world. 
And I will tell you this, it will not work. I wonder if you could, this is my speculation. I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I wonder if we could talk to Asa and we'd ask Asa about it and he'd tell you this. He'd say, listen, let me tell you something. The disease I had in my feet and I couldn't walk, that wasn't nothing. That was nothing, I should say. Not a double negative. That was nothing. The dying, even the dying, wasn't all that bad. What was worse is I had to face. I had to face my God. And every one of us, perhaps we'll be sick one day, perhaps we'll die. Well, we all do die unless the rapture comes. I'm, I'm good with that, amen. And we'll all stand before God. Don't be an Asa. Would you join me in prayer?